For most of this season on the Numbers Geek podcast, our conversations with Steve Ballmer have taken place at his office in the Seattle area. We've been in a quiet conference room, perfect for crunching numbers and contemplating the state of the country. This time, we're going to try something different. You got to get me on Sports Center tonight. You got to get amp it up. <laughs> Come on now! That's a hit! Working, Pat! Coming up, it is the numbers of the NBA from the boardroom to the baseline with LA Clippers owner Steve Ballmer. From GeekWire and USA Facts, this is Numbers Geek. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. Stay with us. It's going to be fun. Numbers Geek is presented by USA Facts. Explore the numbers behind key issues facing the country at usafacts.org, where you can sign up for email alerts to be notified about the upcoming release of the USA Facts 2019 Annual Report on the U.S. Government. That's usafacts.org. You probably know Steve Ballmer as the former Microsoft CEO. I love this company. These days, he's the founder of USA Facts, the nonprofit, nonpartisan civic data initiative that's GeekWire's partner on this podcast. Numbers. I love numbers. All season, he's been guiding us through the country's key numbers as our resident numbers geek, as I like to call him. But he's also the owner of the L.A. Clippers. I love this team. And with the NBA playoffs now set to begin, this week we're sharing highlights from an ongoing conversation we've been having with Steve over the past year, looking into the numbers behind basketball as a business and a sport. We'll get to Staples Center and the Clippers game later on in the show, but we actually started this conversation last year when the season was just beginning. I asked Steve about the numbers that matter to him and the rest of the Clippers' leadership, including head coach Doc Rivers, president of basketball operations Lawrence Frank, and NBA legend Jerry West, who works with the Clippers as executive board member. What are the key numbers that you're going to be talking about with Doc and Jerry and Lawrence this season? Uh, I'll give you three. Wins, that's a big number. Playoffs, no playoffs. And number three is uh, salary cap for 2019. We want to make sure that we have flexibility to participate uh, in signing probably the, the best free agent class in history, and that means our salary cap cannot be already too booked up for 2019 so we get a chance to participate as many, many great players come available in free agency. It truly is a numbers game. Now, the salary cap is completely... Not completely, but there are a lot of numbers in getting the salary cap right in a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different planning of numbers and chess games, if you will. NBA owners, as a group, what number do they worry about? Well, I'd say appreciation and franchise value gets talked about a lot. Uh, cash distributions from the league gets talked about a lot. P&L on the teams then gets talked about a lot. You know, those would be the big things in, in a sense. Uh, the deal with the players is locked for several years, and essentially there's a 50-50 split approximately of basketball revenue between the players and the owners. Uh, but uh, So I'd say in the short term, then, in that context, it's P&L, cash coming from the league, from all the activities that happen league-wide, 
uh, and uh, franchise value? Franchise value is a very interesting number given who I'm sitting across the table here from. There is one number with which you're associated that we have not yet even talked about, $2 billion. $2 billion is the amount that you paid for the Clippers. Was it worth it? Uh, There's two ways to answer that question. One is, there's two criteria I had. One is, would it be fun? And two, was it at least a decent investment? Not that I'm planning on selling, but nobody wants to be a chump. And fun, I'm having a ton of fun. Uh, The value of the investment, I think we've already found that it proves to be pretty darn good. The Houston Rockets have have sold at over $2 billion. Even Memphis sold at $1.3 billion. And certainly uh, L.A. has more attractiveness than either of those markets for buyers, particularly for foreign buyers, but also for free agents. L.A. is probably the number one destination, all things being equal. I mean, free agents, big-time free agents, maximum players, as they say, max max salaries. Uh, They will pick primarily on where they can win championships, uh, where, you know, the environment's good, where they're going to like their teammates, but all things equal by geography, they'll pick L.A. or New York. So I feel good about two with Houston at 2-1 and Memphis at 1-3. Which is more difficult, getting the Clippers salary cap right or maximizing Microsoft's gross margin back in the day? One was more operating challenging. Uh, Microsoft's gross margin, although Microsoft's gross margin in the day wasn't a problem because everything was software and it was 100% gross margin, none of this cloud stuff and hardware stuff. So I guess you could say that was relatively easy. Getting salary cap stuff with all the rules and the things you can do and the crazy trades you can make or think about making, I think the salary cap stuff is is pretty hard. I mean, our analytics department is headed by a former math teacher who got an MBA. He's ably assisted by a, a PhD physicist. We got some pretty big brains working on that stuff. That was when we realized that we just had to meet Steve's basketball numbers geeks and maybe even record a show with him on the baseline during a game. Is there a point where the numbers start to ruin the experience? Like if I sat here and grilled you on stats for the rest of the quarter, would it be like, hey, man, I just want to watch the game? Yes. <laughs> All right. But I'm here with you today, Todd. I'm here with you today. This quarter. <laughs> and I mean, then I got to go. Then you're going to boot me out of these beautiful seats. The, emotion, the emotions would, would get you at some point. I got to say, these are the best seats I've ever had, for sure. It's a good place to watch a game down here on the baseline. And that was how we ended up in L.A. on November 5th, as the Clippers prepared to take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hey, everybody, it's Todd Bishop. I'm backstage here at Staples Center with Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers and our resident numbers geek. Hey, Steve, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Todd. And we've got two of your numbers geeks from the Clippers here with us. Guys, why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Greg Pime, uh, Director of Research and Analytics with the Clippers. Uh, Judd Winton, VP of uh, Research and Analytics with the Clippers. That's great. So, Greg and Judd, why don't you describe what you do in those roles and how you look at numbers, how much you do manually, how much is done by computers? Just give us an overview of, of your jobs. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I think we our department uh, 
acts a lot as an internal consultancy within the Clippers for our basketball operations departments, whether it's the front office or the coaching staff. And uh, we've tried to kind of provide data and analysis around any decision that really gets made um, just so that we're informed from a, a numeric standpoint. Um, with the coaching staff, that, that can vary from just a pregame report, opponent strength, statistical strengths and weaknesses to kind of lineup numbers, um, what lineups are working, what combinations aren't. Um, team reviews every 10 games to see see how we can change up our strategy to, to better help the team. On the front office side, a lot of that is kind of evaluating potential transactions, um, salary cap scenarios, uh, and in and, and that respect. That's right. So, Greg, why don't you give us a sense for how, how your role fits in there? Uh, so, working underneath Judd and uh, with everybody else and on the department, uh, just doing a lot of the computer program behind it, build it. we get uh, data from different uh, vendors as well as the MBA that uh, we set up pretty much automated tasks to, and uh, models as well to kind of evaluate and uh, register like player team performance and trying to do some predictions off of that. Still up by seven here. Yeah. Looking up there at the scoreboard. Oh, they took the, they gotta leave the stats up longer for us. Steve, can you get that to happen? <laughs> Too much frivolous stuff during the break. I wanna analyze the stats. <laughs> Look at them on your phone. Tell me how you use the numbers that are generated by your team here. Okay, so now these dudes is a whole level different than me, get, you know, looking at my phone. So I'd say there's two, ver three things. Number one, the details of what works and what doesn't work, which combinations, which combinations on other team. I don't really get into that. That's really with these guys, coaching staff, uh, quite a bit. Uh, the second area uh, where we have worked a little bit together is our Court Vision product because the vendor, Second Spectrum, who's building it, I met completely through these guys. They're an analytics vendor. Judd introduced me to them when I first started with the team. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's taken that technology a different direction, but they're still one of our key vendors uh, on the research and analytics side. The third area, uh, I would say, I get a lot from these guys. Uh, anytime we're thinking about roster management, roster moves, uh, you know, what's the value? How many wins would a player add? Uh, what do our, our salary cap scenarios look like? I'd say on average, that's about a 60 to 70 PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> right? I mean, I think it's on average 60 to 70 that go through these scenarios. How many years are we looking just at this season, the next three seasons, two, three seasons? Uh, but uh, I have people think, okay, business, you get all these long PowerPoints. I've had more PowerPoints, more packed with data than ever before in my life from these two guys in their department at the Clips. Come on, defense! Go to work, defense! Way to work, Lou! Way to work! Work, Shay! Work! This is fascinating, Steve, because I know in the government data we talk about, you don't look at forecasts. You specifically don't. But here, you need them to make decisions. This is a different kind of forecast. I mean, the, the expected wins added, that's a forecast. And there's some other things that these guys do statistically. How long will a player with this background, uh, how, how old age-wise, will that guy continue to be functional? And you just take a look and statistically match against other players with similar perspectives. So you're right, that is forecast. But in this case, instead of 
you know, I'm not just reporting the numbers like we do on USA Facts. We're trying to make decisions. The thing that is not the same kind of forecast is to look at our our salary cap situation and roster possibilities. You know, we don't know who's going to join us, but those are much more deterministic. You know, this is what it looks like if so-and-so joins. This is what it looks like if, you know, we trade so-and-so, we draft so-and-so. That's quite deterministic. There are a lot of scenarios to be thought through. There's a lot of roster moves that are counterintuitive, certainly to me, but are well known to these guys. Let's go, Clubs! Let's go get aboard! So if the three of you could pick only two or three stats when thinking about making a roster move or making an acquisition of a player, what would they be? What would like be your sort of your desert island stats, if they, if you will? Ooh, man, that's putting me on the spot. Um, well, I think a lot of it is just driven. The NBA is a, a star league, so I think almost taking into account the amount of cap space you have and the ability whether um, the flexibility and ability you have to acquire those players. Um, so future cap space, we always take into account and almost make sure to kind of note that with any transaction. Uh, in terms of player statistics, I think you could go a lot of different ways. Um, certainly, I mean, just to keep it pretty basic and simple, shooting stats. Like if you're going to take one stat from the box score, like, you know, you see the teams that are really successful in this league. All of them are excellent, have excellent shooters and are excellent shooting teams. So targeting those type of players. We have more complicated metrics, some all-in-one metrics that I think do a decent job of capturing a, a, a kind of a player's overall value. But like when you break it down into kind of more detailed stats, I think uh, we're almost keen on, on shooting. Shooting yeah, but, but let me Let me ask these guys about <laughs> the, the, I mean, the one, when you're trying to think through a complicated move, the one that I always think of you guys talking about is wins above replacement value. What is that? Greg can speak to that oh, better yeah. than I can. No, he, Greg writes the <laughs> No, he can talk. He can. No, go for it. No, go ahead, uh, so through different statistical techniques based on box score stats and what players play with, we try to predict how many wins that they added to an average level team or a replacement level team. And based on that, you try to hopefully rank the players in an all-in-one uh, metric. Uh, sometimes it gets guys correctly, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, there's problems with every model, but it's kind of how that is. And yeah, probably that and then how that ages is probably, in my opinion, like that and, that and the salary cap are the two things I would look at for like boiling it down for one trade. So Jerry West is sitting to the side of us. What, what have you learned from him about the game? Jerry's a big, he, uh, he likes stats, but he's a big, uh, he, he believes you don't overuse them. Judgment's super important. And he, you know, he's very good about pushing that concept. Let's go defense! How about you, Steve? Well, it's interesting because I would say research and analytics is an input. But a lot of times when it comes to a roster move, then on top of that, because there'll be times these guys will, you know, the, the guys who are talking to me, Lawrence Frank, et cetera, will say, hey, analytics would have a slightly different view of what we should do in this case. And so we're trying to make our judgment because it's not just the numbers are an input, but not they're not the sole determinant of what we do with one exception, which is, you know, what can we do roster-wise going forward? And it's not always maximized for, you know, cap. It's also think through what does it take to win this year? Uh, how do we keep flexibility. In fact, two of the players whose names you'll hear in this game, forward Tobias Harris and seven foot three inch center Boban Marjanovic, aka Bobby, were later traded to the 76ers, 
part of a broader effort by the Clippers to free up cap space and move up in the draft while still seeking to make the playoffs this year, which they ultimately did. And it's not one number. It's this jigsaw puzzle that is the salary cap. That's how I think about it. It's a complicated chess game. And then for this year, there's really only one number I think about, and that's wins. (laughs) It's just as simple as that. You know, going into this game, there's probably some statistic about, oh, we got to guard so-and-so because that's the guy who's really going to break us down and blah, blah, blah. These guys would know that. Doc would know that. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the score. All right, Steve, so we're in the third quarter here. What what stands out to you in terms of the numbers so far? We're up 11 points. <laughs> we talked about acquisitions and player moves. When you're analyzing a box score, a basketball box score afterward, what's the first number that your eye goes to? to figure out what happened in that game. The shooting stats, I mean, that, that'll basically tell you. And, and, and Greg spoke to it too. The, where those shots are coming from is almost key and aligns kind of with the percentage the teams are shooting. Um, where we're forcing shots from and where we're getting our shots from, whether they're assisted or not, those are almost key. I'll, g- I'll give you one other. I look at turnovers also pretty heavily. I mean, you can see how we shot. Sometimes that's because of good defense, sometimes not. These guys can dissect that. Turnovers, yeah, I mean, it might be because the other team's good, playing good defense, but I think of those as unforced errors. Short! Was that a three? Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you envision a scenario, Steve, where the data team behind the team results in the difference between a win and a loss because of an insight that they provide? Or is that just the stuff of Hollywood? No, I think in, in any given game, insights will guide the way, you know, the coach makes, it's not the, again, it's not the only factor, but, you know, there's a couple keys that, you know, and certainly if you, <laughs> you look at playoffs, just look at playoffs, the books that these guys create for playoffs. <laughs> Her playoffs are unbelievable, highlighting what's going to work, what might not work, why, boom, doom, 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 doom. I mean, they're really quite extensive, and it gives the coaches a chance to see uh, what's going on. It's not like the old days where they're the playbook. Nowadays, people are looking at video, and these guys will say, hey, these are the things, you know, coaches will say, what about this? And these guys can take a look and see what's important. Does it happen in-game, or is it usually a post-game analysis informing the next game? Generally, yeah, a post-game analysis, pre-game and post-game analysis. We try to do no harm during the game, and, and I think the uh, not interrupt kind of what the coaches are seeing on the court as much. Everything we're doing is to help ask the questions, and the coaches do a great job of asking the questions and then kind of studying them from all different viewpoints. Got it. Well, I know you've got a game to get to, and you guys have a game to analyze, so thank you very much for joining us. Greg Pime and Judd Winton work in research and analytics for the L.A. Clippers. Coming up next, we go courtside with Steve Ballmer during a Clippers game. While scores, standings, wins, and championships are the ultimate measure of success in the NBA, many other numbers play into the outcome along the way. At the end of the first half of this game, according to the official scorers report, the Clippers had five turnovers compared to just three turnovers for the Timberwolves so they were behind in one of Steve's key stats. But they were ahead in another, three-point shooting. Where'd he go? 
As a result, the Clippers were up 63-59 to at the half. Overall, each team had made more than 50% of its shots from the floor, a higher ratio than normal. That's what stood out to Steve as we joined him partway through the third quarter. 51-1 for both teams, actually, which was weird that they are both the same. But they were, let's see, they have 24 rebounds. We have 26. We're actually out-rebounding them. Surprises me. It's a high-scoring game. The Clippers are usually a pretty defensive team here. Well, you know, it, it turns out we're one of the top ten in offense and one of the top ten in defense. So it's a little different. You know, we are a good defensive team, no question. Ah! We are a good defensive team, there's no question. Uh, best five or six in the league in terms of defensive rating. But let's go, Boban. But the league, the rules have changed this year, uh, and in a way that uh, favors the offensive. Those changes include an emphasis on letting offensive players have more freedom of movement away from the ball. Officials are calling more fouls for excessive contact in those situations, which makes it easier for players to move and position themselves to score. Average points per game for NBA teams topped 111 for the season, compared with 106 average points per game the season before. The Clippers ended the regular season at 115.1 average points per game, fifth in the league. For the fans up here in the arena, what's like one thing that you wish everybody knew about the stats that, that you know that you wish everybody had a better understanding of as, as basketball fans? I, I'll tell you one. At the, uh, you know, the league actually keeps track of... Bobby! The league keeps track of uh, the job the refs do statistically. Refs do a very good job. And when fans get excited about that, it's not like refs will get every call right, but our refs, on a percentage of time, they make the right call and they they don't miss calls. They're really very good. I think it'd be good for fans to know that. I'm sure the, the refs will appreciate hearing you say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's 82 to 74, 451 left in the third quarter, and they're already in the bonus. That is pretty high. So five team fouls on on the Timberwolves yeah I mean you can get them earlier it's not like it's early early but it's good for us we only have two which means it'll be a while before they shoot so you were a fan for so long before you were an owner what's the main difference in watching a game I mean obviously you have literally a vested interest but emotion it's mostly emotion level of you know really caring you just you care so much more i care so much more i don't know about anybody else i think we have a lot of fans fans who are pretty passionate i know it has amped up my fandom if you will i can remember watching you covering you as the microsoft ceo and thinking man that guy ought to own a pro sports team well i'm glad to hear that now now we got to make it a very good team After the game, I got a chance to play sports reporter, quizzing Clippers head coach Doc Rivers about the stats during the post-game press conference. Hey, Doc, field goal percentage was above 50% for a good portion of the first, for the first half and then a good portion into the the second half. How much do you take that into account when you think about which team, which uh, players to leave out on the court? Tonight was tough because we had a... um, 
you know, down the stretch, we were worried about them attacking Lou on the defensive end. And so we just played the offensive game. Like, I was looking at the score. If we can score every time down, Lou can stay on the floor. If, if they start cutting the lead and we stop scoring, then we have to go back with Tobias and go bigger or with Shea. Uh, but Lou was so efficient, it allowed us to do that. Uh, and there's nights, you know, we actually got stops with that group on the floor. So absolutely. We were, what, 51% at halftime. Uh, more importantly, I think we were close to 50 from the three at one point. Um, those numbers are great. If you're doing that, keep that group out on the floor. What is the most important stat you look at when you come in at the half? Gosh, you know, I don't know. It varies going by the game. You know, it's, you know, it's funny. I don't look at field goal percentage that often, uh, but it just stood out uh, today. You know, the first thing I usually look at is offensive rebounds. That's usually the first thing. And then the first question I ask is deflections, but that's not on the stat sheet. We keep our own. Uh, I think sometimes they lie to me in that uh, because – Sometimes there's been games where I didn't think we had one, and they say we had 12, and I'm like, yeah, the players are paying the guys off or something. So, uh, but those are probably the two I look at the most. The deflections mean that you're 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 active, your hands are active. Ultimately, the Clippers won this game, 120 to 109, over the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they went on to finish the regular season with 48 wins and 34 losses. They'll take on the top-ranked Golden State Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. And you can bet Steve Ballmer will be yelling as loud as ever on the baseline, even as he plays the long game. Yeah! Yeah! Hey, thanks for listening to Numbers Geek. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and leave us a rating and a review to tell other people what you think of the show. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, plus some epic pictures of Steve as we recorded this episode during the game, go to geekwire.com slash numbersgeek. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. Kevin Lasota took photos, video, and provided the original inspiration for this episode. A big thanks as well to the Clippers organization for their help. From GeekWire, I'm Todd Bishop. See you next time on Numbers Geek. Is there anything you'd want to add, Steve, that we didn't get to? Yeah. Go Clips!